Jagger Cole has a brand new book, The Bratva's Locked Up Love, now in Kindle Unlimited. I'm locked behind bars with a beautiful monster. I might be one of the youngest surgeons in the country, but as the in-house doctor in the hellish top-secret prison my father runs, I'm like a trapped dove in a cage with bars that are all too real. That is, until prisoner 5049 ends up on my operating table. He's massive and strong, his powerful body marred with tattoos and a maze of scars that tell a story. It's obvious that he's dangerous. His presence terrifies me. Everything about him tells me to run. And yet, I can't seem to get away from him. Even at night in my dreams, Maxim is there, haunting me. Nobody can tell me how or why he's here. But when a prison break loses the monster himself, I suddenly find myself locked in hell with the very devil who's been stalking my dreams. This is wrong. His gaze shouldn't set my body on fire. His voice shouldn't melt me into a puddle. His rough touch should make me tremble in fear, not ache for more. The rules of Yellow Creek Prison are simple. Don't get too close. Respect the fear you feel. Don't let your guard down. I broke them. Now I'm his. This extra steamy, extra gritty, bright for cat to romance comes with a few trigger warnings, but it's guaranteed to leave your Kindle steaming. Safe, absolutely no cheating, no cliffhanger, and a perfect happily ever after. That's The Bratva's Locked Up Love by Jagger Cole. Grab it now. Welcome back to the second part of May Harden Week. Hi, welcome back, yes. We've got the second installment of Anyone But You by May Harden. And I'm, I just noticed something that we both did at the same time. And I'm wondering if it's going to be on the video. Because, like, we count down, you know, we have to hit record and all this stuff. And I looked up and we both, like, sat up and then dropped our shoulders <laughs> at the same time. I was like, like, I'm ready. <laughs> it was like, and go. <laughs> it's like I'm ready to be professional and then I'm like I don't have to be no, fuck this shit <laughs> oh my god okay so I have something very important I want to discuss that we have not talked about yet can we go to Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez can we discuss this I was talking about how this do you with- feel about them being back together I don't care. It seems good. I just want somebody who's going to treat her good. That's all I care. Ben, can you show up and do it? You know, I kind of think he's might mm-hmm. be ready for it. He's learned his lessons. I don't know. Could you be with somebody that has once declared publicly that the biggest mistake of his life was losing his wife and that he fucked up? And then he... Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Like, he publicly it, for a few years was like, I fucked up. I want her back. Yeah. She won't take me. Yeah, but at the same time, like, don't we all stay stupid shit <laughs> But when we don't realize it? You know what I mean? Like, he thought that that's what he needed yeah. when, you know, I mean, and, and at the same time, I think, like, him with Jennifer Gardner, I think that was what he needed at the time. You know, he needed someone that could take care yeah. of him. Keep up with him maybe a little bit because mm-hmm. then, you know, if you truly, truly love this one and this was your forever, would you have ever let that happen? Would you have ever truly done that to them? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he did exactly, but. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know that he and Jennifer Lopez together won't make it. You know, like they I sometimes like they could. I wondered if not if like they just were the right couple at the wrong time. You know, I because because I looked up, I was like, why did they break up the first time? And they said they were engaged and they postponed their wedding because they said it was just the paparazzi was too awful. They're like, we're never going to be able to pull this off. Like they yeah. were so inundated. People were obsessed with them as a couple, as we are now. And they were like, it was just so much pressure that they stopped. And then they broke up shortly after. I mean, you don't know the whole story, but yeah. I have to think. I mean, both of their stars were right, like skyrocketing at the same yeah. time. You know, I think that would be a lot to handle. They're skyrocketing. Yeah. They're both have extremely busy schedules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not hating it. I'm enjoying yeah. it. I'm, I love that this man fucked up. And another man was all like, you done fucked up. Yeah. I've been waiting. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've been in the sidelines the whole time. Just right. He's like, I've been waiting, motherfucker. Yep. And you done. And we all knew. We all mm-hmm. knew A-Rob was going to fuck up. We've oh, been waiting. Oh, I've been 100%. waiting. 100%. I was like, don't do this. Don't get married. Don't do this. Don't mm-hmm. get married. Don't do yeah. it. And then yeah. he fucked up before. And I'm like, yeah, finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But finally, when, when it was, yes, finally, when Ben Affleck so swooped in there. I'm not even a big fan of him, but like uh-huh. I'm enjoying this redemption story. Yes, of that's him exactly. Coming in under the yeah. guy who fucked up and is yeah. now going to be the good guy. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I like how this is kind of playing out. I'm not yeah. about second chance love, but I'm mm-hmm. enjoying this play out. Well, and I really hope it works. I hope people leave them alone and let them have theirs. Jesus. I think you're right. I think it's the second chance aspect that I love, that I hope that this is it. Because, you know, like he was addicted to gambling and alcohol and stuff for so long that I hope, you know, and she's a teetotaler. Like she does not drink. She doesn't drink caffeine, nothing. Like she is like, that's not happening with me, buddy. So that's one of the things I felt like was good when he was with Jennifer Gardner is because she was sort of the same way. She's like, we're not going to do that here. That's not going to happen. And J-Lo is the same way. Like, he has to be with someone who won't tolerate that shit. Yeah. You know? And, and I feel he knows like that's, what it's like to lose now, too. Yeah, really exactly. Lose. Yeah. And the sexual chemistry between these it two. God. God. I just want a sex tape. Is that so wrong? Like, I just want to watch them fuck. I'd watch that, too. I always tell my husband the other day, when he was talking about Megan Fox or something, I was like, I've never been a, mich- I've never been a fan of either one of them, Mm-mm. really. But no. I was like, I would watch them fuck. Uh, I feel like it'd be so boring. Think? I'm like, it. I feel like I could watch the sex too. No, I feel like they're all for show. Like Machine Gun mm-hmm. Kelly and them. Yeah, she doesn't I, drink or anything, so I feel like it can't be too. Yeah, but she show. loves attention. I don't know. That's true. I, I don't she does know her. love attention. Listen, we're not friends. I shouldn't judge her, but to me, it doesn't seem that way. But yeah. I will say that I looked up. I was seeing. I saw this thing that come up that um, you know, Jennifer Lopez just had her 52nd birthday. And I'm just, I don't know how the fuck that's possible. She's obviously an alien that just doesn't age. But how about this motherfucker gave her a necklace for her birthday with his name on it? I know. That's good. We got to write that in a book. We have to write that in a book. He's like, boom. He's like, oh, look what I got you. It's just, what are these letters? Oh, it's just my name. No big deal. Put it (laughs) on. I know you're not going to let me tattoo this, but Mm -hmm. all you do this. Mm -hmm. Like, guess what? I'm around your neck all the time. (sighs) I'm here for it. Like, I'm sorry. That is just fucking hot. Like, that level of just ownership. Where he's like, you know what? And, And, you know, he speaks Spanish, and I have to think, like, her pussy did that. 
You know, like, like she might not speak tongues. Like, this is just like that. Like, she just got on it, rode that dick, and all of a sudden he speaks Spanish. I just <laughs> like, love, too, that he, when he showed up, he showed up. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. No. Mm-mm. I'm not hiding shit. Mm-mm. We're I'm in here. the public. Day one, he was like, put my shirt on. We're going out this door. Come on. Let's go. Let's. <laughs> we're telling everybody. Let's do it. I mean, it was seriously like how many days after she and I broke? Like, was it choked. was it like two days after she left him that Ben Affleck like he like showed come to the daddy. fuck up? Yeah, come to daddy. I got you, girl. I was like, damn. And I hope because I know the whole rollout because I remember when it came out before it came out. When I was on it with who he was messaging and in the inbox. Oh, Aaron. Yeah, with the Southern Charm girl, and it came out on the reveal, the reunion show. Uh-uh. And I was like, oh, shit, when the pieces oh, started fuck. coming out. No, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, man. You know, I remember we watched uh, that movie Hustle that J-Lo did, you know, where she was the stripper. Mm-hmm. And um, which, that movie's so fucking good. But there's a part in it, like, that was doing the, I watched, like, the behind the scenes or something that was at the end of the movie. It's like an extended cut. And they go in her house, and they were, like, filming her during training. And they're like, oh, does A-Rod like to watch? And she's like, oh, he's not around. Like, he was, she was like, he's, like, doing his own thing. He's He's not home or whatever. And I was like... Yeah, but, you know, you're doing this for months. Is he really never around? Like, what's happening, you know? It's weird. Yeah, I remember I bet, watching that. I bet yeah. Ben's first row. Like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, <laughs> I watched that movie. I see you movie. He probably installed a pole. What do you think? When he watched that movie, do you think he went and put a pole in his basement? <laughs> Mirrors on the wall. He's like, all right, let's do this. God. <sighs> I just love the two of them together. I do too, and it's and so weird because I don't love Ben mm-hmm. Affleck. Or I have. I don't for either. A while. I don't either. But I love him with her. I do too. You know, I also loved when she was with Puff Daddy. <laughs> I did not. Oh no, I feel like you know that everybody has that one relationship you want to just not remember. <laughs> but like, yeah. I feel like she has the ability though, because she's such a sweetheart. It seems like that. That she could just make anybody good. Because you think, well, if she's such a good person, she has to be with somebody nice, you know, that wouldn't treat her bad. No, that's not the case. It sucks. I really hope this works out for her. Mm -hmm. But maybe we even talked about it on here. But there was a part of, so when she was married to uh, Chris Judd. Did we talk about that here when she I was at that movie? I forgot about that marriage. Yeah, so she was at a movie premiere. It was her movie, and Chris Judd was there. They had just gotten married. Yes, you told me about this. Yeah, and like he's Ben Affleck's off to the side. He goes to the movie premiere, and he's watching her walk with her fucking husband, and he tells an assistant, he hands her a bouquet of flowers, whispers something in this girl's ear, like a PA who's running the red carpet. Says something. Uh, then it's like the video later, like people piece this together. There's mm-hmm. the video of her on the red carpet and this same person, the same PA comes over, delivers her these flowers. And she's like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, oh, you know, she's on the red carpet. She's like, what do I do? And she passes them to Chris Judd, her husband. He holds the flowers while she gets her picture taken. Meanwhile, the PA, the assistant or whatever, goes back all the way down the red carpet to where Ben Affleck is, says something to him. He nods. This motherfucker gave her a big-ass bouquet of flowers on the fucking red carpet in front of everybody while her husband was standing there. He couldn't stand it. (sighs) 
It's I know. It's I love like that level of obsession. Like that makes my romance heart giddy. Like I don't want to know the real life dirty details. I don't need to know like of how they what fought, reality broke up. Yeah. All that. I don't yeah. need to know that. But I just am assuming that they were just both so famous at the same time. It didn't work out. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They were both very very busy at that time. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it so much. Oh, and Britney Spears is showing her tits on Instagram. Good for her. Good for you, girl. Do it. I, my Usually I see all that stuff first, so my husband sent me that one. <laughs> oh, I like, bet he did. Thanks. My husband sent it to me, too. He's like, oh, she's looking great for 38. I was like, she's 39, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're the same age. She's going to be 40 next year. We're the same age. I got a freeing Britney shirt, and he got one. He's like, where'd you get that? I was like, I'll order you one. Shut up. I was like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But yeah, good for you, girl. Show those tits. I have some lady listener emails. Let's do them. So I have two, and I think they're from the same person. I just saw they, they were sent separately. But I think, and they're two emails, but they look like the same email address. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it's not. I don't know. Hey, ladies, congratulations on another season. Anyway, something happened to me a while ago, and I wanted to see if I was the only one who has done it. I am dreaming, and I don't know what the dream is about anymore. The only thing I remember is waking up to find my hand in my pants doing you know what. (laughs) Am I the only one who has woken up for a dream only to find yourself touching yourself? I can't for the life of me remember what prompted me in my dream to do that. Unfortunately, I couldn't finish what that dream me started, which was super disappointing. I always wake up before it gets good. I had a couple of sex dreams before, but nothing has gotten me off, almost off. One was in a fisherman ship. Now you're talking. With some random guy and my fucking alarm clock woke me from it. It's fine. I'm not bitter about it at all. Thanks. (laughs) I've woken up before wondering if I've just really had an orgasm or not. Yes, me too. Like, I'm not completely sure if like, I did, orgasmed or did not. That, I'm like, something's happening down there. Like, did like, I just... <laughs> did I just... Is that why I woke up? Yeah, I wonder... I mean, dudes can do it. Why couldn't girls? I don't see why not. I don't see... I'm not a doctor, but I don't see why not. <laughs> can I just... I want that to be my tagline, okay? I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I'm not a doctor. All right. This second one says, you said something about fantasies. Hey, ladies, I was listening to M Never's Week and you were reading emails about fantasies. I don't know what the original ask was for these emails, but I thought I'd just send something in case and because I like talking to you guys. <laughs> I like talking to you. I love it. I know. I have a fantasy in mind that I kind of want to do someday. The pretending to be strangers, meet at a bar and have sex in public fantasy. Obviously, it would be far away from where we live because it's really because it's reality. You would probably run into a friend or coworker, and that would be super awkward when your partner is literally inside of you. <laughs> there is also the shower fantasy that is probably sexier on paper and the been over the kitchen counter fantasy. I'm super introverted, so maybe the first one will always be in my mind, but it's something that I've thought about. Have a great day, you beautiful angels. Hey, I think I've. Like, a pretend meetup would be good, especially if you want to do it away on vacation, because then you can go back to your hotel room. Yeah. Like, you got a hotel room. Mm-hmm. But I do I, think I, yeah. that shower sex is always better in idea than it is in reality, because mm-hmm. for some, and 
mm-hmm. like pool sex. Yeah. Because there's something, the water washes mm-hmm. away the natural mm-hmm. lubricant that a yeah. woman has, which is like mm-hmm. a gel-ish, like, because water <laughs> yeah. isn't like lubricated like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it washes that away. So it's actually harder, yeah, to get it in. <laughs> yep. I would say I like to take a shower, start, and then finish out of it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the that's the best case scenario on that. I do too. But I do like the idea of like the stranger scenario. I think that's really hot. Like or the public sex thing, like that sounds really hot in theory. I don't know if I could actually do it though. There's too many cameras nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, so I was reading that book. And I, um, you know, I'm super famous, so go viral. <laughs> Yeah, people are going to care. But um, that book I read, uh, Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. Mm -hmm. There is a scene where they're like at, uh, it's nighttime and her feet are hurting because she had like heels and stuff. And he pulls her over to where like this fountain is and he sits down. It's like in a garden and he like fingers her. He's like pulls her in his lap and he like slides his hand. And it's so hot because there's like people walking by and he's like, shh, shh. Like shushing her, and I'm just like, oh my god, that was that so hot. fucking hot. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, maybe it's a fantasy. Who knows? Maybe one day it's a reality. Kitchen counter? <laughs> nah. Mm. I, it, it, I don't know. I don't know about that one. It would be the I kitchen have shit counter. to do in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm it's gonna like clean sex. up another mess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm so this- old. I'm like, I just want a bed. <laughs> Can I just lay here? <laughs> <laughs> Is that old or lazy? Oh, does it matter? I don't think so. All right. This one is entitled A Real Life Ross and Rachel Love Story. It says, A Real Life Ross and Rachel. Sorry for how long this is. It's not long. Everybody says that. They're, this is like four sentences. My partner and I met at school aged 11. At the time, we didn't really give each other the time of day. Fast forward to high school at age 14, we started to become friends as we became part of the same friendship group. I'm still close to those friends today. Holy shit, I don't know anybody from when I was 14, except my sister. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> he made me laugh, but he was just my friend, and I didn't know he was falling in love with me. He asked me out when we were 17, and we dated for two months until I panicked when things were changing, and I broke up with him. We remained close, but just friends. A year later, he convinced me to start dating again, and again, we dated a couple of months. Then I broke up with him again when things were getting more serious. Fast forward to today, we have been together two years and have a baby on the way. I finally admitted I love him as much as he loves me. I hope our love story made you smile. That's really sweet. That's really sweet. I wonder sometimes, like, if how much fear dictates people's relationships, you know? Because I like to think that. I was brave enough to just be like, hey, let's move in together. Like, let's fall in love. I love you. This is it, you know? But I wonder sometimes if, like, if there's really fear in the relationship that dictates the progress of it. Like her, you know? I mean, she missed out on all this time together with her man because of this fear of commitment. Did you ever have a relationship where you were afraid to commit? I mean, with Rob, it wasn't, it never seemed like that to me. You were just like, oh, he's moved in. We're together. This is it. I, mean, I don't think so. I think that I put up walls that put men out. Like, mm-hmm. I've never in my life dated or agreed to go out with a person that didn't actively, rapidly pursue me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never let myself open up, I think, to somebody like 
like chase after maybe somebody I thought was attractive mm-hmm. or like I never chased after. Mm-hmm. Like I think that was probably fear based of rejection. Mm-hmm. That the only people that I ever let in were people that like you know actively. Yeah, you knew it. you couldn't get rejected. Yeah, there like, wasn't the potential to be rejected. Yeah, there was no fear of rejection mm-hmm. within that. So I've wondered about I that in the past that. if I could have missed something because mm-hmm. of that. But then sometimes I'm like, well, it's probably something I need my whole life. It's yeah, to be actively on top of me, <laughs> <laughs> literally and figuratively. You know, so, I wonder too. Like, you know, I never had a problem committing. I think maybe it was over committing, like to people, like that. That was my problem. I was like, oh, you want to get in a relationship? Cool, let's get married. Like, you know, like that kind of thing. But I also, I think a part of my personality is big and loud and maybe abrasive to some people, and that can be. It can be really off-putting to men. And it's not that I didn't, like, I had a lot of casual relationships. Let's say that. Casual (laughs) relationships with men before I got married. But, like, I don't know. Like, there was definitely a fear of rejection. I never felt like I was super pursued by anyone. I never felt like someone was stumbling over to get to me. And maybe it was just because I was always ready for it that yeah. that never happened. I don't know. Like, I, I do, you know, I think about some of my some of my best friends that are still single that have never, you know, gotten married or, you know, haven't had, you know, that are single right now. And I just think, how are they single? And then, you know, I saw this thing the other day and maybe we talked about I don't I talked to you so much during our break that I don't I know. know what we discussed on the podcast. But there was this thing the other day where they were talking about this is the first generation where a woman doesn't have to have a man. Like, before my mom couldn't have had a credit card in her own name yeah. before, you know, she got married. Before, like, 19, like, it was, like, the late 80s that happened. And thanks to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like, you know, that's mm-hmm. we talked about that before. Like, you, a woman couldn't own a mortgage by herself. You know, like that you had to have a man's name on it. You know, this is the first generation where a woman truly doesn't need a man for anything. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that, too. I was like, I'm not single. And I was like, I don't know if I need a relationship. Yeah. I mean, I've just been in one so long that I think it'd be like, fine. But I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I think I would be okay. Well, I think that was the sort of the the discussion behind it was like, the, you know, again, this is the first generation that doesn't need a man to do anything. So, men, what do you bring into the table? Yeah. Like, I've got, you know, I've got retirement. I've got good health insurance. I've got, you know, my bills paid. I have my own house, my own car. Like, what are you going to bring to elevate me? And I think that challenge is challenging masculinity on a broad spectrum. I don't think it's, to me, it's what are you going to do to elevate me? It's what are you going to add to my life that I don't yeah. already do myself is what that's I need exactly to That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's what are a great you going to do it. that? Yeah. What's, yeah. Yeah. What's going to benefit me? In I seen a meme the other day that rem- reminded me of all the relationships in my life. I was like, that makes sense. I, I, I think you probably seen it. It was like the one where it's like, why are all these men, these quiet men with loud ass women? And then I'm like, 
I am always with loud ass people. I'm super quiet. And every friend I have, every mm-hmm. relationship I'm, I have a loud <laughs> partner. I'm like, because they're like, well, who's going to tell the waiter I didn't order the mashed potatoes? Or they Not didn't me. bring the mashed potatoes. Not me. <laughs> me. <laughs> and I'm like, I did. I got home and I was like, my boo's going to get his taters. That's what I said on the thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm not going to say it, but whoever I'm probably sitting across from uh-huh. the friend or my husband is yeah. going to make sure my mashed potatoes get on this table. This girl's going to need some taters right here. (laughs) I was like, this is my life. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. I didn't think about that, how that registers through all your relationships. No, I know. I've talked about it with another friend before. I was like, I don't have one person in my life that's not loud. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I'm the quiet person. I'm the most, I can be the most mellow, chill person ever. Mm -hmm. But everybody around me is loud. Yeah. You know, I wonder, too, like, how much that mentality sort of does dictate your friendships, not just your relationship, but your friendships as well. I think I'm drawn to it. mm -hmm. Well, because I know you're just drawn. I'm not going to be a person that probably reaches out, reaches out, reaches out Mm -hmm. all the time. So I need somebody that's constantly grabbing me and be Mm -hmm. like, oh, where are you going? Back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pulls you back from the edge. Because <laughs> I've noticed that even in some friend groups when you get together that some are closer than others. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice the ones that are tend to be closer are the ones that aren't as close are usually the introverts. You don't mm-hmm. tend to see introverts together. Yeah, yeah, because they're at home. They're at home. <laughs> they have to have the person that's pulling them out. Yeah. Like, come mm-hmm. on, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Let's go. You know, we actually, when I was talking to you about, like, book signings the other day, and I was like, oh, do you want to do, like, this book signing? Like, oh, maybe if we just do one, like, this is one really big one. And you were like, I just don't really miss it. And I was like, I don't either. Like, I don't miss the stress and the the work. Like, it's it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot that goes into doing a book signing. It's not just, like, showing up and signing books. Yeah. And... You know, especially if you're doing a book signing that's huge or if it's run by someone else, everything is dictated by other people and you just have to get in line and go along with it, which is fine if you want to do that. But it also, again, dictates your day and how everything's going to happen, you know, and it's a lot of stress and stuff that builds up to it. But I don't. I don't get to see you if we don't do a book signing, you know, like there's usually not a time when we're together when we're not doing it because all the times when we were together before, it was for work. You know, there's we did so it, many signings. Yeah, so it was like I'll see you. I'll see you in three weeks. You know, yeah. it was like that kind of thing where I was just seeing you so much, and but it was always work. It was always stress related, and it was just like oh, okay, well maybe we should just make a point to see each other without a book signing because yeah. that's what I miss. Like I miss getting together with our girlfriends because my favorite part was always the hotel room yeah. where we would sit down in jammies and just talk about books. Like yeah. that was my favorite. I, t- I did. I do miss about book signings is being a reader, a part of a book signing and just yeah. talking about books. If mm-hmm. you just start talking about a book at a table with me, I call forever. Yeah. If you start talking. Yeah. If you start the conversation. If you start yeah. talking, like uh-huh. I'll look very standoffish, but if you like, you read that I'm like yeah I read that <laughs> I'll tell you what when I went to Indies Invades Philly when I did that like as a reader uh, I guess that was in 2019 
That was the last time I went to one. Um, that was awesome. Like, I, that was the most fun I had had at a book signing. And I couldn't tell you when. Uh-huh. Because I got to go around and say hey to my friends. And then talk to people about books. Like, and meet new authors and readers. And it was fantastic. Like, I, I even said, like, people were like, oh, my gosh, like, Charlie, will you sign this? I'm like, I can't. I'm not part of the signing. Like, that would be rude to the people hosting it, you know? Like, that's yeah. taking money, you know, away from them. Like, I should pay for a table if I want to sign something. Yeah. But it was just the experience of just being like, I can't sign it, but why don't you tell me about your favorite book? Because <laughs> I'll yeah. do that for 20 minutes, you know? And th- to me, that's more of an experience anyway than just getting a signature. I agree. To have that time together. And, um... You know, before we talk about my heart, and I did want to mention, I'm actually going uh, with Abby Knox this weekend. A couple of months ago, she messaged me and she was like, can we do a weekend away and just do a writer's weekend where I don't talk to you, but we stay in the same cabin? And I was like, fuck yeah. So it's this weekend. And I completely forgot about it until Monday. And I was, I flipped my calendar to August and I was like, <gasps> writer's weekend and so she texts me and she was like okay so what snacks are we gonna bring is it and like there's no wi-fi in this place and she was like is that gonna be a problem i was like i guess not (laughs) fuck it so it's like two and a half hours from here so we're just gonna go to the grocery store get a bunch of junk go hole up in this cabin i know i was like this is gonna be great like mob wives is an option for downtime what is it? It said mob wives. This is an option for downtime. Because there's no Wi-Fi, you need to download something. I know. That's what I told her. I was like, I'll bring a DVD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm really excited. So, I'll be able to tell you about that next week when I come home. So, All right. We'll tell you. Again, we're about to do the second installment of Anyone But You. And if you didn't hear it last week, make sure you enter the giveaway. She's doing, May Harden is doing a gift card and a signed paper bag. And you can enter to win. Just check out our website, readmeromance.com, and our Facebook page, Read Me Romance Headquarters. That's our group. And you can find us on Instagram or whatever, and we'll point you in the right direction. So make sure you enter this week's giveaway, and let's give them the second half. Let's do it. Fuck it. We'll see you on the other side. Honey and Grouse by Lonnie Ree. Celestial Falls, book two, in Kindle Unlimited. A tiger, a wolf, and a dragon walk into a bar. This isn't the beginning of a joke. It's the start of my evening. My bar, the Honey Pot, is the most popular spot in town. As a grizzly bear shifter, I'm big and bad enough to keep order with the rowdy biker crowd. Well, mostly. Meeting her changes everything. The curvy little Spitfire is on a mission to bring me to my knees, and my bear is ready to roll over and beg for more. With my hackles raised and my guard down, I don't realize my lonely heart has been stolen. I can't deny myself or my bear any longer. Burning with the urge to claim my mate, I decide it's time to make my move. I won't let anyone stay in my way. Look out, little honey. Your growly bear is coming for you. I love this so much. (laughs) Honey and Growls by Lonnie Ree. Grab it now in Kindle Unlimited. Sutton. Dean's arm tightens around my back, crushing me to him. He pulls my lip between his teeth, nipping at it, and sending a scorching current of need through my body. The wet fabric of my bra rasps against my nipples as I move against him. He tangles a hand in my wet hair, tipping my head back, drinking me in with his kiss. His palm grips my waist, slides up my ribs, and trails along the side of my breast, 
fingers teasing, promising. I whimper, desperately needing more. He smiles against my mouth as he cups my breast in his palm, his thumb skating over my aching nipple. Yes, I gasp. His hard length jerks against my belly, like it's begging to be touched. And I can't help myself. Sliding my hand between us, I run my palm over a truly impressive hard-on. It's that, or he's smuggling a fucking cucumber under there. Holy crap, I mutter. Dean chuckles, but when I wrap my hand around him, stroking him through his clothes, the sound turns into a rumbling growl that sets off a throbbing, empty ache deep in my core. He kisses me harder, his tongue stroking and curling against mine. He presses a thigh between my legs, and I moan, moving against him, but it just makes the ache worse. Dean. It comes out so pleading that I'd almost wonder whose voice it was, if it didn't match the burning desperation inside me. He gathers my hair into a ponytail, tilting my head back until I'm gazing into his whiskey eyes. You need more, baby girl? His fingers slide under the waistband of my panties, and I nod, my breath coming in shallow pants. He lowers his mouth to within an inch of mine, our breaths mixing as he speaks. Ask me nice, Sutton. There's a hint of his familiar smirk, but his eyes are so intense, so filled with a desire, that it sends a shiver down my spine. No one has ever looked at me like that, and I want all of it. His finger dips a little lower, so close that I can feel the heat from his hand on my clit, as he leans down and whispers in my ear, Ask me nice, and I'll make you feel so good. Oh. My. God. Yes. He's a son of a bitch making me ask for it, when we both know he wants it as bad as me. I shouldn't like it, but I really do. Please, Dean. I lean up, nipping at his earlobe, making him groan in approval. His finger parts me, teasing my entrance, and then he growls into my neck. Fuck, baby girl, your pussy is soaked. Is all this for me? He presses a thick finger inside me. Yes, I gasp, clinging to his shoulders. He pushes deeper before inching back out, thrusting until my legs are shaking. Rain streams down our bodies, splashing off his shoulders as I hold on to him for support. He takes his finger away, and I watch in utter fascination as he brings it to his lips, licking it. Christ, you taste good. He backs me toward our tent, his eyes full of filthy promise. What are we doing? I ask. I said no one is eating anyone. I lied, he says with a grin. Dean reaches around my back, and with a flick, my bra goes loose. He slides it down my arms, tossing it on the ground. His fingers hook under my panties, peeling them down my legs as we get under the tent. He looks me up and down, his smirk back in full effect as he licks his lips, 
If I'm naked, you have to be too, I tell him breathlessly. He helps me slide his suit down, kicking it aside. And then it's my turn to stare, as his dick bobs against those damn abs. Little rivulets of water trail down his body, highlighting every perfect inch. I don't think I've ever seen a man this sexy in my entire life. I guess dirty talking sailors don't spend a lot of time in libraries and museums. But good lord. He takes himself in hand, stroking and rolling his fist over the fat head as he steps toward me. Satisfied? No, I breathe. But I bet you can fix that. Dean grins, pushing me back down on the camping mat and crawling over me. He gazes at me as he draws my nipple into his warm mouth. I arch against him, twisting my fingers in his hair. His tongue laves and flicks, sending little shock waves through my body. Dean works his way lower, pressing kisses to my stomach and hip bone as his calloused palms spread my thighs. He lowers his face between my legs, watching me, that devilish grin in place. This what you want, Sutton? His tongue flicks out, barely grazing me. But it feels so good. You want me to eat your pretty pussy? I nod frantically. That deep, empty ache is back. And I'd give just about anything for him to shut up and make it go away. If that means I need to be Jane to his Tarzan, I'm here for it. He pushes two fingers into me, and I moan, my head dropping back to the mat as he crooks them. And then, his mouth is on me, my clit between his lips, his tongue lashing over the sensitive bundle of nerves. The intensity makes me squirm, but Dean growls, hooking an arm around my thigh his palm pressing on my lower belly, holding me steady. His fingers stroke into me, the pleasure building. My hands tangle in his wet hair, water dripping down my arms. My breaths come in shallow pants, and I can't be still, my hips bucking against his forearm. He just sucks harder, watching me, eyes heavy with lust. A primal rumbling growl vibrates through him, it's that sound that pushes me over the edge. It rolls through my body, catching every nerve and lighting them on fire as it spreads. Dean Sutton's hips move restlessly under my hold. I love the way she pulls my hair, demanding more, like I'd stop. I think the real issue might be getting me to leave this pussy alone, now that I've had a taste. Her head falls back, body arching, quivering. She's so close, I can feel her reaching for it. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my whole damn life. I groan, loving every responsive movement she makes. Her skin flushes, her soft thighs clamping around my ears as she comes, crying out into the storm. I lap at her juices until she laughs and pushes my head away. Down, boy. Jesus. She sighs happily, 
throwing an arm over her face. Little drops of water still cling to her skin, glistening on her stomach, so I trail my tongue over those instead. She gives a little shiver, moaning my name as she pulls at my arm. I need you. Right now, I wish I'd salvaged a fucking crate of condoms from the sea instead of survival gear. I'm clean, but... Me too. Pill. Sutton wraps a warm hand around my dick, and any other argument I might have had evaporates. Her hand is so much smaller, so much softer than mine. A possessive surge rolls through me. I want her. I want all of her. I want to bury myself deep inside her and make her mine. I'm going to make you like me. You know that, right? We'll see. She gives a breathy little laugh, staring up at me as I hover over her. My cock is throbbing in her grip, desperate to get inside her. I circle her nipple with my thumb, and the dusky peak tightens under my touch. So pretty, I murmur, grinding against her. I press the head of my cock against her heat, shaking with the effort of holding back. Tell me you need it, Sutton. Tell me your pretty pussy needs this cock. She moans. I need it, you pompous ass. Stop teasing. I roll my hips, pushing into her, inch by inch. She moves under me, pulling me deeper. Fuck. I groan against her lips. Christ, you feel good. So tight and warm and wet. Sutton winds her arms around me, her fingernails sinking into my back. I bury myself as deep inside her as I can, pulling out and thrusting slowly. The ache in my chest every bit as desperate as the need building in my core. She pants little pleas of, yes, and harder as she stares up into my eyes. She's so goddamn beautiful. And for this one moment, she's all mine. There's a massive gust of wind, and I realize I forgot to close the tent flap. Rain falls on my back, and Sutton gasps, closing her eyes against the drops. I start to get up, but she grabs my ass. Don't stop, she pleads. I grit my teeth trying to stay in control. Water streams down my body, dripping all over her and falling in her eyes. I pull out and flip her over on the camping mat, pulling her hips up to meet mine. Rain runs down her ass cheeks, splashing off her skin as I thrust again. Jesus, look at this ass, I mutter, giving it a smack as it bounces against my hips. Sutton arches her back, gasping and watching over her shoulder, eyes burning. A tingle burns at the base of my spine. Grabbing her hair, I turn her head to look at me as I wrap the other arm around her waist, my fingers finding that little pearl of hers. Her sex clenches around my dick, and she whimpers, legs trembling. You going to come for me again, Sutton? I growl, leaning over her back and driving into her. The harder I take her, the wetter and louder she gets. Oh my God, yes. Her cries are swallowed up by the storm, 
but I don't miss a thing. She pushes back, round ass bouncing. So good. So fucking good, I say. Sutton's eyes go heavy, lashes fluttering as she gets close. My balls ache, drawing up tight. Jesus, Sutton, you're gonna make me lose it. I'm gonna fill that pussy so full it's going to be dripping out of you. Her whole body is shaking. Look at me when you come, baby. She peers back at me through rain-soaked lashes, crying my name as she comes, coating my dick in her honey. The pressure builds, my body tightening like a tripwire, until I snap, emptying myself deep in her warmth. Easing out of her, I collapse on the camping mat, pulling Sutton on top of me. She sprawls over my chest, laughing into my neck as the rain pours down on us. Running my hands over her body, I don't care that the inside of the tent is soaked. I don't care that we're stuck on this island until someone realizes we're missing. I don't care that my boat is blown apart, sitting in the shallows of the cove. This is where I belong. I've decided, Sutton O'Brien is mine. I just have to find a way to convince her. Sutton. My life has taken a surreal turn today. 24 hours ago, the most exciting thing that ever happened to me was starting my job at the museum. Now, I've survived a boat explosion, been stranded on a remote island, and fucked Dean Carpenter bare-assed in the middle of a historic storm. If that doesn't scream, my life has gone off the rails. I'm not sure what does. The worst part is that I don't think I want it to go back to how things were before. These little thoughts keep creeping in at the edges. Thoughts like, I want to do that again, preferably in a proper bed. And I never want another woman to touch him, as long as he lives. Maybe being in the woods is making me weirdly territorial, but the thought of watching skanky tourists try to hit on him down at the docks makes me feel like I could spit nails. It's ridiculous. It's not like I have a claim on him just because I got carried away and begged him to bend me over a camping mat. Eventually, someone is going to come along and rescue us. And then what? I don't want to be the mousy girl at the museum, hanging on to the memory of that one time Dean Carpenter fucked the bones right out of my body. His skin is so warm on mine, and I wonder how long we can lay here like this before the rain washes us away. Apparently Dean is wondering the same thing. He pats my arm, pressing a kiss to the top of my head. Let me fix the tent, baby. Reluctantly, I let him up, moving to the dry camping mat and watching his glorious ass as he secures our shelter. You keep watching me like that, and I'm going to think you might actually like me a little. I busy myself looking through the supplies, so he doesn't see how right he is. Dean collects our clothes, wringing them out and laying them flat at the back of the tent. Maybe they'll dry out in the next decade. Dean grabs the waterproof bag, dropping it at one end of the camping mat, and pulls out a bottle of whiskey. You keep whiskey in your emergency supplies? He grins at me, and my heart flutters. 
because of course it does. I could try to blame the post-orgasm high for making me all doe-eyed, but I suspect that it's just him. Sure. It's just as good at sanitizing as vodka, and it tastes better. Debatable. I eye him skeptically. He sits behind me, reclining on the back and pulling me back. I lay my head on his shoulder. He wraps his arm around me, fingers stroking along my collarbone as he tips the bottle back. He hands it to me, and I look at it for a long second before putting it to my lips and taking a gulp. I cough, hissing through my teeth as it burns my throat. Jesus, are you okay? He cranes his head around to look at me. This may come as a shock to you, Dean, but I'm not usually one for whiskey straight from the bottle. He laughs, and the sound is deep and warm as it vibrates through my chest. Me either, sunshine. Pulling booze out of an emergency supply kit might be the most piratey thing I've ever seen. He kisses the top of my head. What if I make jokes about plundering that booty? He asks. Where would that rank? Ugh, that's terrible. I groan and try to sit up, but Dean pulls me back, laughing. In the realm of pirate-related humor, that's about as good as it gets. He grabs my knee, pulling my leg over his hips. His fingers trail softly along my spine, sending little tingles over my skin. Under normal circumstances, naked in the woods wouldn't be my first choice for a Monday night. But this feels too good to fight. I run my hands through his chest hair, biting my lip, so I don't say something to ruin this moment. The storm is still raging the next morning. We wake up to thunder booming overhead and bands of rain slapping the outside of our tent. But it's warm and dry in here. I wouldn't call it comfortable, but it beats the hell out of being outside or blown up. And then there's Dean, former bane of my existence turned insatiable sexual obsession. Everything he does is so sexy that I can't keep my hands to myself. It's like now that I've cracked the seal on this urge, I can't close the jar back up. He opens two bags of granola with freeze-dried strawberries. But before he hands me mine, he pulls all his strawberries out and puts them in my bag with a heart-stopping grin. Normally, that's not the kind of thing that lights my panties on fire. But sweet baby Jesus, is it working for me now? He barely sets the bags aside before I jump in his lap. He goes out in the rain to switch out our water collectors and comes back all wet. I jump his bones. He stretches his arms out over his head and smirks at me. I jump his bones. He breathes. I jump his bones. Not that he seems to mind any of this. By the end of Tuesday, he's explored every single inch of my body with his tongue. And I'm pretty sure he's doing inane little things, just to see if they'll turn me on. Spoiler alert. They do. It's also extremely effective at shoving my worries into the background. Post-rescue questions are future Sutton's problems. Current Sutton can just ignore those pesky thoughts and enjoy this stolen moment with him. Dean Sutton is so quiet and still in my arms 
that I wonder if she's fallen asleep. That, or I've finally pushed her into a sex-induced coma. Given the way we spent our day, it could go either way. I can't see her face, but I can feel her breathing against me, her cheek warm on my shoulder. The sky gets darker, the sun going down somewhere behind the rain clouds. The rain is slowing, and I don't know if it's a break in the storm or the tail end, but the fat drops give way to a drizzling mist, and it's only now that I realize how deafening it was. Sudden, when we get back, can we talk about that later? Her voice cracks just the tiniest bit. What's wrong? Are you upset? No, I'm fine. Oh, shit. If I've learned one thing from my sister, I'm fine does not mean I'm fine. I sit up, putting my thumb under Sutton's chin and tilting her face up to mine. She presses her lips together and lifts her chin in a defiant glare, but her eyes are shining. What did I do? Nothing. She shakes her head and looks away. I just don't want to talk about going back. I don't get it. Is she worried we won't make it back to Sugar Creek? Cupping her soft cheek in my hand, I pull her close and kiss her forehead. Hey, don't worry. They're going to come for us, Sutton. At the very worst, Jake is scheduled to take a tour out tomorrow morning, and he won't miss the fact that our boat isn't at the dock. The storm is easing up, and the Coast Guard will be breathing down our necks in no time. I promise. It's not that. Sutton O'Brien, Dean Carpenter. A voice booms from the cove, magnified to inhuman proportions. It calls out our names over and over, and I'm filled with hope. What did I tell you? I grin at Sutton as I get to my feet. I pull my trunks on at record speed before grabbing the flashlight. Get dressed. I'll flag them down, I tell her, giving her a quick kiss. I race down to the cove and spot a Coast Guard cutter off in the distance, a spotlight sweeping the wreckage of my boat in the shallows. I shine my flashlight at them, passing my hand in front to signal SOS. There's a shout from the boat, and the spotlight lifts, simultaneously blinding me and filling me with relief. Sutton comes tromping out of the brush, backpack slung over her shoulder, red hair and wild waves. She's so fucking gorgeous that my chest hurts. I have the insane urge to tell the rescue team to fuck off and come back next week, once I've had my fill of her. But that's stupid. A week wouldn't be nearly enough time. A rubber dinghy hits the water, and time feels like it's moving in stop-motion scenes. Lights in our eyes. The rescue team splashing onto shore. Questions. So many questions. But I can't focus on anything other than the man wrapping an emergency blanket around Sutton's shoulders and the urge to rip his hands off. But before I can, she brushes his arms away and steps closer to my side, sending a little wave of possessive pleasure rolling through me. We're on the dinghy and headed for the cutter within minutes. We pass by the half-submerged wreckage of my boat, twisted and scorched in the shallows. And I pull Sutton close, so fucking grateful I got her off the damn thing before it went up.
She frowned softly, and I'm guessing she's thinking the same thing. A medic checks us over, but declares us remarkably healthy. Turns out a couple days of camp food and unending sex agrees with us. When we crawl into the harbor, my sister Kenna is standing on the dock, along with my best friend Jonas. She's gripping his arm so tight, I can see her white knuckles from here. Half the town is behind them, watching the drama unfold. The second we disembark, Kenna is on us both, squeezing me so tight I'm afraid she's going to crush my trachea. People converge on us, and Sutton gets swept one way while I'm pulled in the other. Fuck. I don't want her to wait around all miserable and dirty while I fill out reports. But being separated from her hurts more than it should. Sutton. Everything is moving so fast. Kenna pulls me one way, and dock officials steer Dean another. He looks at me over his shoulder, eyes worried. We'll catch up later, okay? Catch up later? That's it? Those words hit me like someone just swung a sack full of bricks at my chest. I knew this was coming. I knew it the second he wanted to talk about when we get back. Even before the Coast Guard screamed our names through that megaphone, I knew it was over. I let myself ignore reality, pushed out every smidge of common sense that could have guarded my heart. I'm a freaking idiot. I should never have let him in. My dumb heart equated getting marooned on that island with some kind of fairy tale. I should have known better, and I have no one to blame but myself. I let my best friend guide me toward her car, my body numb as I buckle in. She's talking as she drives, but I don't hear it. I wonder what she'd say if she knew I just spent the last 36 hours riding her brother like a mechanical bull. I snort a laugh, and then the laugh turns to a sob as the rain starts up again, pounding on the metal roof of her car. The car crunches on gravel as Kenna pulls over on the side of the road. She hugs me tight. I'm sure she thinks I'm losing it because the last two days were traumatic. I can't make myself tell her that all I want in the world is to go back to this morning and wake up in Dean's arms again. I'd eat freeze-dried meals and sleep in the woods forever if it meant being with him. It's going to be okay, Sutton, Kenna croons, rubbing a hand over my back. Girl, where the hell is your bra? Were you just free-tittying it the entire time? Oh, shit, I laughed through my tears. I left it on the island. Okay, one day soon we're going to get drunk and you're going to tell me everything. But right now, you need a warm bath. Kenna drives me to my house and pulls me inside. She runs the hot water, pouring in a cap full of bubble bath. Get your ass in the tub. I'm going to go pick up a hot meal. Bossy, I mutter. You bet your sweet ass I'm bossy, she mutters, looking at her phone. My best friend and brother go missing at sea. GPS dead. You two scared me half to death. You're just lucky I'm taking it out on you by enforcing self-care. After she leaves, I strip off my disgusting clothes and sink into the warm water. Thirty minutes later, the bath is lukewarm. 
I've had another good cry, and the wheels in my brain are turning. I've always had to go after what I wanted. Sure, Dean isn't the same as a graduate degree or a research grant, but the same rules apply. I want him, and I'm not rolling over and giving up. I'm going to finish my bath, do my hair, and march my ass right over to his... A knock sounds on the bathroom door. Damn, Kenna is fast. You can come in, but fair warning, I'm still covered in bubbles. The door opens slowly. My breath catches as I see Dean leaning against the frame, a brown paper bag tucked under one arm, and that stupid, devastating smirk pulling at his lips. Just bubbles? My heart leaps into my throat, pounding and choking me all at once. What are you doing here? Dean kicks off his shoes, setting the takeout next to the tub. Intercepted Kenna on her way back with your dinner. He reaches back, pulling off his shirt, before dropping his shorts. Good God, is he an eyeful? You keep looking at me like that, and we're not gonna get to our talk, baby girl. Maybe we should talk later. He bites his lip and looks me over. For a second, I think he's going to give in. Uh-uh. Now, we are going to get really, really clean and then really, really dirty. But first, I have some shit to say, and I need you to hear it. Dean squeezes in behind me, water sloshing over the edge of the tub. I'd laugh, but his thick thighs bracket mine, and he wraps his arms around me, holding me to him. He feels so good. It's like I can breathe for the first time since I left him at the dock. Before we were so rudely rescued, I was trying to tell you something important. I can hear the smile in his voice. He winds his fingers in my hair, tipping my head back, and kissing me so deeply I forget to breathe. So here it is. Sutton O'Brien, I want to wake up to your face every morning. I want your warm body in my bed at night. I want to make your life so good that every single day is better than the last. He slides his wide palm over my belly, holding me close. I want to make you like me, Sutton. I want you to like me half as much as I love you. I turn my body, sitting across his lap, heart racing as he takes me in, his eyes searching my face. Running a hand over the scruff on his jaw, I kiss his cheek. You idiot. I blew right past liking you. I love you. It's annoying how much I love you, but I can't help it. He gives me that cocky grin, his eyes lighting up with pleasure. And all it took was blowing up my boat. I'm so sorry. Dean presses his lips to mine, silencing me. He kisses me long and slow, and only once he's turned my body into putty in his arms does he let me up for air. I'd cheerfully blow up a hundred boats to be with you, Sutton. What now? I ask, stroking my fingers through his hair. He eyes me with a grin. Now, we're going to eat a real meal together. And later, I think we should revisit the hair pulling. I'd roll my eyes, 
but that sounds like a really good plan. This has been Anyone But You, a Sugar Creek novella by May Harden. Read for you by Matthew Maddox. Untamed by Molly O'Keefe is live today. Marriage has always meant violence. I don't trust it, but it's the only thing keeping me afloat in these dark undercurrents. I'm married for safety, but I got the most dangerous thing in the world, Ronan Byrne for a husband. Now we're returning to Bishop's Landing to face our demons, mine, his. We have real enemies to conquer, but it's the fear in my heart that beats the loudest. I can't stop being in love with him, except the killer with the heart of stone doesn't love me. I don't know whose family I belong in anymore, or whether I should stay with Ronan when this is all over, but I may not live long enough to make that choice. That's Untamed by Molly O'Keefe, live today. Go grab it now. Welcome back. Hi. Well, thanks so much for being with us this week. Thank you, Mae Harden, for giving us your book and hanging out with us and letting us just talk about all kinds of shit. You guys, guess what's next week? Jessa Dean. Nice. I'm so excited. Oh, it's so good. It's her animal book. Uh-huh. It's, it's Rise her. of the Animals. That's what she's got. Like, if you are just listening this season, go back and listen to last season when Mel discovered Jessa Dean. <laughs> Jessa Dean and, and how great I it is. I her Facebook, like, every other day for the past, like, week, waiting for a new release. I'm like, what's another <laughs> one coming? But there hasn't like, been she, one. Well, I was going to say, she has your phone number, right? Like, yeah. Just tell her, text, immediately text me the second <laughs> a book comes out. Like, day or night, I'm awake. Give it to me. Well, you're not awake before noon, but you are awake at some point later yes. in the day. <laughs> but yeah, so join us next week for Just a Dean. And again, it's going to be Rise of the Animals, brand new. So that's it. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read me romance, read, read me romance.